So Washington State head coach Nick Rolovich has been fired for refusing to take the COVID-19 vaccine where it's mandated. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. It's very interesting. Also, we'll get into a little bit of the fallout of the Tennessee Ole Miss game. Of course, everybody's talking about that. And we'll get into that. And we'll talk about some of this week's matchups and a little more big picture stuff as usual. Let's get into it. What's going on, everybody? Little midweek Thursday episode action coming at you. And these are the days where I try to just dive into some of the more topics and stories going around college football that I don't get to in the main show that usually comes out on Mondays now. And eventually, like I've talked about, you know, I want to get maybe three episodes a week going, still have future plans to turn this into a video show, a collaboration show, have guests on talking college football. That's what this show is all about. Let's talk college football. And so far, it's just been me talking to you guys. Appreciate everyone who listened. On Mon- this last Monday, we had the most downloads ever in a Monday for Monday show. So we had already almost gotten to the weekly record for the season by Tuesday morning. Usually we upload Monday or before that it was uploading Wednesday. And, you know, by the following week, you know, you see what you've done for that week in downloads. This Tuesday morning, I realized, dang, we had already basically surpassed the previous season total. And the other episode that was the highest downloaded so far was the one about when USC fired Clay Hilton. So appreciate that. Thank you for that. I don't know if uploading twice a week has anything to do with that, but like I said, we're going to keep going on that. Um, the first thing I want to get into here today is this whole um, Mike, or sorry, Nick Rolovich situation at at Washington State, who is the first coach, to my knowledge, at least at the Power Five level, to be fired for refusing to take the COVID nineteen vaccine. Um, it's a really interesting story because you couldn't really find any other coaches that were in this situation. It seems like everywhere else that had these sort of mandates, coaches very quickly complied, right? You before the season, I heard a, you heard stories about old Miss coach. You know, Lane Kiffin was very pro vaccine, bragged about being the first team I think in the conference to be 100% vaccinated including all players and staff kind of ironic considering Kiffin tested positive and had to miss a game (laughs) later but um, you really didn't hear any other places where it was mandated and the coach was against it it's weird because I remember hearing about this story you know a month ago and it kind of went away the coach like it seemed like he said he was going to get it and then he doesn't get it and the deadline passes, I guess he didn't get any religious exemption, and then him and four other assistant coaches are all fired. 
for not um, getting the vaccine in a state where it is required. Washington state had required all federal employees, government employees to have the shot. I guess by this previous Monday or, or something like that, a recent deadline. And these coaches are considered government employees, which is a whole nother kind of ridiculous debate. But you work at a public school, you're a public employee. So they refused, they get fired. And of course, in my opinion, the media coverage surrounding the story is unfair. And I only say unfair because I'm comparing it to examples of other times players and coaches have stood up for what they believed in, regardless of whether we agreed in that or not with them. There's a difference. And look, this is a topic I've tried to avoid on the show. It's literally, I told you, the reason why I didn't even do a podcast last year is because it would have been impossible, in my opinion, to talk about college football without talking about COVID all the time. And COVID's such a divisive issue. It's like, let's, you know, so I just, I took the year off literally because of it. And here we are a year later, it's still popping up. And I think I can inject opinion here without taking sides because the reality is, is this whole COVID situation, especially the vaccine, has gotten very divisive. Everybody has some sort of opinion about it. And regardless of, I think, what the media says, I I don't think there's a lot of people out there that are anti-vaccine when it comes to the COVID vaccine. Because again, to me, anti-vaccine means you're against other people taking it. If you personally don't want to do something, that doesn't mean you're anti, right? Like if I don't want to drink alcohol anymore, but I don't really have an opinion on my friends doing it, I'm not anti-alcohol anymore because I've made a personal decision. Now, if I stopped drinking and then I really believed alcohol was terrible for everyone and I'm going on campaigns and I'm trying to get alcohol banned, the sales of alcohol banned, or at the very least trying to spread some crazy cultural awareness that other people shouldn't be drinking, now I might be an anti-alcohol person. And and with the vaccine, there is some people doing that. There are obviously some people that are against the vaccine, maybe vaccines in general, and they are spreading awareness. Hey, like, but, but it's very rare and very rarely are we actually seeing anybody call for these vaccines shouldn't be available. People shouldn't be taking them. I want to ban them. You don't see that. And I think the reason there's intensity around the issue is because on the other side, people that are very pro this vaccine do tend to sometimes lean on the side of like wanting to force people to take it. And anytime you try to force anybody to do anything, you're going to have problems. Okay. And I'll be honest, a little bit of my opinion, I have no problem with this vaccine. I am glad that it's available to those who want it. I'm not a big fan of the mandates with it though. I think the way this virus popped upon us out of nowhere, asking people to go from literally 18 to 20 months ago, life is completely normal. There is no COVID. And in that quick of a time, I know it to some people doesn't seem quick, but it is quick. Sometimes I feel like I can just blink and feel like it was the pre-COVID days. But in that quick of a time to jump to, hey, there's this new vaccine out that the government's created essentially through private medical corporations, pharmaceutical companies that, by the way, I thought we all kind of hated before, right? I'm a pretty, I'm a more, 
you know, liberal person. I don't mean that in the sense of politics. You know, I'm about freedom, I'm about liberty. And it seemed like one thing that people used to be able to agree on, Republicans, Democrats, conservatives, libertarians, was that we didn't really care for pharmaceutical companies. And then all of a sudden now, a huge swath of people are advocating on behalf of the most powerful pharmaceutical companies because of this vaccine. So that's a little strange. But to all of a sudden throw on people, hey, you have to take the shot or you're not normal, all this stuff, and this quick of a time, it, it is different. Right, and that's why I'm not a huge fan of people using the argument. Well, we've had vaccine mandates in the past. Read this old Supreme Court case. One, I would just like to point out that just because something was done before doesn't like that's not an argument for it being right or wrong. Right? I mean, what if someone said, "Hey, you know, we used to segregate people in this country. We used to enslave people in this country." I mean, is that a valid argument for doing it now? Not necessarily. So. Good or bad decisions made in the past don't necessarily have any weight on if that's good now, right? Maybe COVID has opened my eyes, not not me specifically, but hypothetically, maybe COVID opened my eyes to, oh, I'm not a big fan of vaccine mandates, and now I'm not a fan of the old old mandates. Or, hey, I'm, I actually think it absolutely should have been mandated based on what happened, and I'm a fan of the old ones, right? Like, the, what happened in the past is not necessarily linked to the present is all I'm saying. So I don't like that argument, and it's kind of the only argument you really hear. Like, well, we've had them in the past. And it is dicey because at the very least at the government levels where I don't like it. Look, private businesses kind of can do what they want on this issue, I think. But at the end of the day, it is a form of discrimination, and where do we draw those lines? Obviously, most people are not complete open fans to the idea of businesses can discriminate however they want, right? Because there was a time when businesses said, hey, people of color, we won't serve you. And kind of the whole civil rights movement was like, look, we don't think that's right. Like these businesses are going to be operating in the, the public square. You're going to have a restaurant on the street. You're going to have a supermarket. You're going to have whatever type of business. You can't deny service to someone based on, we said, race, religion, sexual orientation, things of that nature. Most people agree with that. And I don't, really understand why adding medical history or private medical information can't be added to that right so it, it, it's a touch it's a touchy issue i'm not even i'm not trying to sway anyone's opinion on anything here right like but i what i would like is if people could just sit and talk about these things without it getting hostile right all the talk about this situation ends up getting hostile whatever opinion people hold they tend to be very strong-minded about it and the only other area in sports we're seeing this is we're seeing some nba players that don't want to get vaccinated there are a lot of nfl players some popular ones i'm not here to name drop on this show but there are some pretty prominent nfl players that are not vaccinated and the media just doesn't talk about it right once they kind of realize that there were some guys both nba and in nfl that weren't going to do it they've taken two approaches kind of try to demonize them and or just try to not talk about them because they don't want to turn these guys into martyrs because then maybe other people that aren't for this start standing up for them and obviously regardless of how you feel about the situation you cannot deny there's a giant push from the mainstream media from federal government right from all the institutions social media companies a huge push for this vaccine maybe you agree with that maybe you don't but you can't deny that 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 is a fact right so in the nba you're seeing you know kyrie irving probably the most notable player and jonathan isaac they're saying hey we're not 
a fan of this. Kyrie is actually saying he's not really for or against the vaccine. He's against the mandate. And that's where the real debate comes in. Because like I said, I don't think there's that many people that are against the vaccine, but people want to have freedom of choice. They want to have autonomy over their own bodies and what they put into their bodies. And what I don't like about this situation is Stephen A. Smith, these ESPN people, ripping Kyrie Irving, saying he's an idiot, saying he's abandoned his team. Why would he put the season in jeopardy, his his money in jeopardy, all these things in jeopardy over this issue? It's so dumb of him. Well, that is absolutely hypocritical because for years now, we've been seeing players make political stances and get absolutely defended, as they should be defended by the mainstream media, for sticking up for what they believe in. Colin Kaepernick's a hero for his whole thing, the kneeling, the players kneeling for the flag, the Black Lives Matter stances made by all these players in the NBA. They were praised for that in most of the media. How dare you question their right to protest, their right to use their platform to make... And all I'm asking for is consistency. Either you're a fan of players using their platforms to advocate for political causes they believe in, or you're not. You can't be for a player doing that when it benefits you or you agree with the cause and then be against the player when you don't agree with the cause. So if you were championing the players who took knees during the anthem or defending their rights to speak out about police brutality issues, right? Think about how many conservative people were, you know, LeBron, shut up and dribble or, you know, players play the game, don't kneel, they should be fired for that, right? When one of the John Gruden emails, right, that he he got fired for, one of the things people had a problem with was how he talked bad about players kneeling and those players should have been fired. People thought that was appalling. Well, a lot of those same people, those exact same people are getting on their shows and they're ridiculing these players that are against the vaccine mandates. Make up your mind. And you want to talk about sacrificing for political opinion the reality is is none of those players benefited or, or sorry um lost anything none of those players that were advocating for the police brutality issues that were kneeling for the anthem none of them lost anything when that happened they all gained i mean colin kaepernick basically was able to stay a rich guy was able to stay prominent because of his political ideology. I'm not saying that's why he did it necessarily, but the reality was if Colin Kaepernick never became a political person, he had become a player who was riding the bench in the NFL. And the idea that Colin Kaepernick would be on an NFL team right now, if it wasn't for his political issues, I don't agree with that. I really don't believe that that many teams have passed on Colin Kaepernick because of his political stances. I think it plays a small role in it. Why would you bring in a crappy quarterback who isn't that good? Yeah, when you've got sort of political stances and there's like controversy involved, why would you do that, right? I'm not saying it plays no role, but the reality is if Colin Kaepernick was an excellent quarterback, that he would be starting for a team and this wouldn't have held him back. I, I firmly believe that. The same way I, I believe that no coach would be getting fired in the Washington State coach's position if he was a really good coach at a really big school, Right. But you're just not seeing the mandates in those areas, right? And that that's also what's kind of unfair and weird about this whole situation. So Washington is using different rules than, for example, Alabama, right? Alabama just would never even put 
Nick Saban in that position. Alabama doesn't have mandates for public employees, right? I, I live down here in the state of Florida. We don't have any mandates like that. In fact, we actually went the other way. It's illegal to have those mandates. If an employer asks you to get vaccinated or show vaccinated, vaccination papers, you can sue them. So that's another thing that's really weird. Like depending on where you live, you're dealing with completely different rules, which I think is unfair, you know? And, and I'm okay with that when it comes to the way our government works, you know, federal, federalism, it's a good thing. Local states are allowed to have different laws. Um, if you look up the history of the nation, that, that's very important. So I'm, I'm okay with that, but I, I just don't like how we're seeing clear hypocrisy when it comes to People aren't allowed to stand up for this issue because it's kind of going against a mainstream narrative, but they were allowed to stand up for other political issues because those political issues, let's be honest, were the mainstream narrative. You see Black Lives Matter pictures in Walmart, okay? So Black Lives Matter is not some, you're fringe, you're, I'm, not, I'm not saying I disagree with Black Lives Matter, the sentiment of what that means. I'm okay with that completely. But let's not pretend that that particular issue, police brutality, Black Lives Matter, that that's going against the mainstream, that you're some fringe protester standing up for this controversial thing. No, you're repeating corporate narratives. It's in the end zones at NFL games. It's on the court of NBA arenas. These giant billion-dollar corporations are promoting these messages. You're not putting yourself at risk by standing up for those. You are, however, putting yourself at risk when you apparently question this vaccine mandate. So this head coach at Washington State is an actual martyr for his cause. You do not have to support or believe in his cause at all. You can think he's an idiot for that, just like people had the right to think players were idiots for kneeling, right? For some people... It was super offensive that players kneeled for the national anthem. They'll never understand the logic behind that because people are different, come from different walks of life, have different opinions on issues. For some people, they would never support those players again. However, and I think that's fine. You can be extremely offended at the, at the kneeling for the anthem and be like, I'm not a fan of that. I don't like LeBron James anymore for the fist raising and the kneeling. However... If you start advocating for LeBron to lose his job over that or these players be fired, that's where I think you are crossing the line. And I think the same could be said for this mandate thing. The idea that this coach is a total moron, idiot. No, he's standing up for what he believes in. And unlike a lot of the other political situations we've seen, this guy was willing to lose it all. How how You have to respect that. I respect this coach way more than people who... If you're against these mandates, but you comply with them anyway to keep your job, that I don't agree with. That's pathetic, right? Stand Whatever you believe in, stand up in it and for it. And for a lot of people, they don't give a damn about these vaccine mandates. They're totally okay with it, and that's fine. Then take the vaccine and agree with the mandate, right? But you got to ask yourself, would LeBron... And I'm using him as kind of the headway example because he's the most famous player. But think of all the players that stood up for the police brutality issues, the kneeling. Do you think any of them would actually have done that if they were going to lose money over it? I, I don't know. I'm not going to definitively answer that. I'll tell you this, though. When it comes to NBA players, LeBron was the first one to 
get really mad when who was it the i forget the exact person was it the rockets owner was kind of standing up to china because you know china's a pretty terrible country that enslaves people that's a that's a real thing going on right there's legitimate massive concentration camps for the uyghur muslims in china like that's a real thing look it up i, I thought most people were aware of that well guess what china plays a huge role for the nba in their expansion you can't question china right the end as soon as nba people did that lebron was like what are you doing right we when people were holding up free hong kong signs in nba games they were removed black lives matter sign perfectly fine one political cause okay another political cause not okay so i don't really buy that any of those corporations are supporting things they believe in and, and doing the right thing they're just they just have made the determination that this particular cause is good for our overall agenda and our image and this one isn't because we can't make big daddy china mad we get money from them so we will turn a blind eye to their slavery of human beings we will turn a blind eye to that to get more money hollywood does the same thing hollywood has to get their movies into china we, we saw what happened when john cena called taiwan a country you know which is a fact it is a country but in china they don't recognize it as a country in fact china's looking to invade taiwan if you want to talk about real world issues right now and john cena had to apologize just so the new fast and furious movie could get played in china because that's where it's going to make a crap load of money for hollywood so hollywood NBA, NFL, these organizations that say they stand up for rights and liberty and people's ability to speak out on political issues, they are liars, right? I don't, they, they pick and choose what political issues you're allowed to make a stand on, which is not okay with me. I'm all for the players being able to talk about the issues they did talk about, but how many players were silenced when talking about the other issues? Okay, so I don't take a lot of them seriously you actually lose your job you lose something over your political stance maybe i don't agree with the political stance but i i believe you're about what you say and i don't know if i can say that about a lot of other athletes celebrities that have claimed to be you know political advocates you know a lot of them have only gained notoriety respect and money because of those those claims and those things that they choose to support so, again, it's a really weird issue. Um, I don't know. And you, and you do got to ask yourself, you know, like I asked, I'm, I'm from Oregon. I think of the Oregon Ducks program. They're in a lot better place than Washington State. They have playoff aspirations. They have all those things. I think they have similar mandates there, if I'm not mistaken. What if Mario Cristobal didn't want to do that? Like, I'm just, because we're seeing things go both ways, right? Like, for example, with the airline, Southwest Airline was mandating the vaccine for their pilots and employees. They're kind of rolling back on that because a bunch of pilots were taking time off. Last week, or a couple weekends ago, I don't know if you guys heard the news about how many Southwest flights were delayed and or canceled, and they were trying to blame it on weather. I, I flew that weekend on Delta. Everything was fine. Um, Southwest basically was dealing with pilot and staff shortages because half their staff was like, okay, well, I'm going to go on leave now. I'm going to take all my vacation days now because I'm going to get fired in a, in a few months. And 
now we're seeing South Pac Southwest kind of roll back the, that sentiment and they might get rid of the mandate altogether because people do have power when when they're united under causes. So again, I, I, it's been 20 minutes now, you know, I'm going on about what is basically a political issue, but these issues are creeping into sports and all I wanted to point out is that let's not be hypocrites here. If you supported players at one moment, support them now. And the same with the reverse. If you were against players who were kneeling for the anthem and some of those more, you know, political causes, then you can't all of a sudden be all stoked about these players that are advocating for the vaccine mandates. Like, you have to be consistent. It's not about the issues that they're advocating for. It's about their right to do it. And if you support the players' rights to make political statements, you cannot pick and choose which ones you support. You can have a personal opinion on like, hey, I don't agree with that issue. But I'm damn happy that that player is expressing his right to do that and using his platform for good. Or you have to be like, I don't care about the political issue. Shut up and dribble, right? You, you can't be in the, there's no middle ground of that for me. This goes for coaches, players, everyone. And ask yourself, right? Again, you might vehemently disagree with the Washington State head coach with Nick Rolovich's opinion on the vaccine mandate. You might vehemently disagree with that and think he's an idiot, but you have to respect the idea that he was willing and did lose everything over what he believed in. He lost everything. How many players are kneeling for the anthem and supporting Black Lives Matter causes if it would have cost them their jobs? I think some, but... I don't think nearly as many as supported it already. So anyway, just, just a really interesting thing that's happening across the country in all aspects of employment. Um, and it finally happened in college footballs. And it's a thing that's become an issue in sports. It's very interesting. Um, moving on to something else. All right. So the Tennessee Ole Miss game, talked a little bit about it, right? The ending was crazy. You had Lane Kiffin returning to Tennessee for the first time since he had coached there. The fans hate him. You know, that was pretty obvious. And by the end of the game, there was, you know, a bad call, sort of. It ended up looking like the right call. A Tennessee player was ruled short of a key first down on a fourth down, which they had to turn the ball over, which it didn't cost them the game, by the way. They had a chance to get the ball back, but the fans started throwing stuff on the field, and we had this 30-minute delay. And, of course, if you listen to other shows or you've heard sports people talk about it since they're so disgusted by it and it's terrible and the worst look, and it, and it is, don't get me wrong, but I do think people exaggerate these sports anchors when they get on, like, this was an embarrassment, like, oh, my, like, at the end of the day, we all secretly love this stuff, Right? If you're a Tennessee fan or you're part of the Tennessee administration that has to deal with this and deal with the fines and deal with the policing of this issue, yeah, you don't like this. But from afar, when you see these things happen in sports, like you're entertained, right? When fights happen on baseball fields, basketball courts, football fields, you, your hair stands up. You want to watch, right? You're not. If something truly disgusted you, you would turn the channel, right? I don't think anybody turned the channel when people were throwing stuff, right? You're like, oh, what's going to happen, right? Now you balance that with like, okay, like you're concerned for player safety and it's just a crazy thing. But 
in a way, considering no one got hurt, really, you're kind of like, okay, SEC football, rabid, passionate, crazy, stupid fans. It's it's an interesting thing to talk about. And also, I don't think the Tennessee fans were so mad about that one call. I think that was the thing that blew the top off. But what they were really upset about, one, the tension with the Lane Kiffin stuff. And by the way, none of this is an excuse. Like, it was ridiculous that they did this. And stadiums should probably figure out ways to have more law enforcement around to contain these situations when they happen. Because... You know, there's cops at games, and, and there's usually enough enforcement to deal with one bad apple, right? Fights break out, especially at NFL games, right? All the time. You see it on Instagram every Sunday. And, you know, a cop can come in and get rid of that. But in a situation where 100,000 people unite and turn on things, like, that can get pretty sketchy, right? Like, mobs are real. They can form right? Nowadays, thank God, they mostly form online. They used to form in person and people died. So, you know, it's, it is a weird situation. The fact that at the end of the day, what can you really do to stop that many people that are mad about something? I mean, you, the game was delayed for 30 minutes because there wasn't anything they could do. Basically, when the fans decided to stop throwing stuff, they could resume play, but they couldn't stop 100,000 people not that it was that many people, right? That's that's the other thing. It was probably only a couple thousand people throwing stuff. That's all it took to delay the game, get players away from the sideline, Lane Kiffin's hit with stuff. But anyway, going back to the Tennessee fans, what they were really mad about was all the faked injuries by Ole Miss. And it sucks because, because Tennessee completely overreacted, acted like fools and buffoons. There's probably going to be no attention really drawn to that issue from that game that week. Obviously, it's an issue going around college football, but this injury faking thing, which, look, it's basically a part of the game now. I can't, I feel like I've seen every team do this at some point. I've seen my school do it, Florida State. I've seen Alabama do it. I've seen every program at some point do the whole fake the injury thing. And it's not always as egregious, right? For some schools it's literally like you can tell it's in their game plan like hey we're going to give you a signal and you're going to come up with an injury and go down and then for some schools it's more about like hey like if you like are feeling a little cramp instead of like walking off under your own power just go down right oh you have a headache like just go down like we've seen that too and everything in between that this game this Tennessee Ole Miss game was the clearest example I had ever seen of a straight up obvious game plan not even trying to hide it of numerous, numerous times go down, act injured, right, and then walk off the field fine. So the Tennessee fans were getting pissed about that. But at the same time, I'm sure Tennessee has done that too because, like I said, I really everyone has. Like, the way the game is going and the way the rules are, this is just a strategy. This is how you slow teams down. And unless there's some sort of rule change or something that would incentivize this not to happen, it's going to keep happening. Now, I think there's a super obvious and clear way to change this. If a player goes down, that player needs to be out for the rest of the series, or you have to use a timeout to get him back in. Because at the end of the day, right, if you're a really good player, like you don't want one of your defensive starters missing a whole series against a team. That's not good. Now, there's ways around that too. Coaches can just send in a backup 
for a play, have him be the guy that goes down. But so I don't know, like it's probably just going to be a part of the game from now on. As these offenses continue to go fast, this is going to continue to be a strategy. But I think you can kind of mitigate it by saying, hey, if a player goes down, he's going to be out for the whole series. And you can even argue that from a player's safety standpoint. Look, if you have an injury that requires the game to be stopped, should you be back in the game a play later? And I don't know, like, because the other thing is, is if we do this, we can't only do it one way, right? So let's say a quarterback gets injured and has to go out. Does he have to go out for a whole series too? I don't know. Or do we keep it solely a defensive thing? But, you know, we've seen offensive players do this too, right? Like you kind of don't have any timeouts and you need to like regroup. Well, an injury is basically a free timeout. Now, sometimes on offense, those come with with uh, 10 second runoffs. So, you know, I don't know. But there's got to be some way to sort of disincentivize this because, yeah, it's not a good look. It's like we don't want football to turn into soccer. Faking injuries is not supposed to be a part of football. You don't want to be injured. If you're down, it means something is wrong. That's, you know, and you don't want that to be the case. So, so yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. But I think that was the real reason why the Tennessee fans were getting so riled up. Because, I mean, let's be honest. Kiffin was kind of rubbing it in. He's like, look, I'm going to fake these injuries because they can't call it on me. It's going to be obvious. We're going to slow the game down. And it does change. Like, anytime Tennessee remotely was coming close to offensive momentum, an Ole Miss player would go down. And sometimes that worked out really well for Ole Miss because they'd slow them down. Then they would stop them on the next first down. When you're a fast team, your your goal is to win first down. That's how every drive needs to start. As soon as you win that first first down, and it doesn't mean you get a first down on first down, but as long as you get five or more yards on first down, you now have the defense kind of on their heels. And you keep going, you keep going fast. Next thing you know, you march down the field, you score. Okay? And... If you can slow that team down or win first down, you're in a good position on defense. So if you win that first down, you get a sack, you're in a really good spot now. You're not on your heels. Okay, go fast. I just sacked you. What are you going to do? Get up, regroup, and now I know you have to throw because it's second and 12, right, or second and 15. That means the defensive win. Now, if the defense loses first down and then you get a first down, then you get seven more yards, the only thing they can really do outside of obviously make a crazy good play get a turnover is fake that injury and regroup, right? And you notice when this happens, it usually doesn't happen on a second and nine when a player gets seven yards right before third and one. It usually happens right after you get a first down and then a player will go down, this injury will occur so that you set up a brand new first down and the de- because the defense wants to win that first down play. That's how you slow down these fast teams. Um, so you can see the strategy developing, um, but it's kind of a hush-hush thing right now, right? No one, defensive coordinators and head coaches are out there talking about like, yeah, we've got a really good player um, injury fake strategy and it's helping our defense slow teams down. But all these teams are doing it and you can't blame them. If, ever, if everyone's doing something that you're not, you have to adapt, right? It's no different than Nick Saban adapting his offense to more modern college football rules and spreading the field out and throwing a little more and doing some of the RPO stuff. He didn't like that football was going that way, right? Nick Saban had the famous quote a few years back, like, is this what we want football to be? All these plays, all this fastness, he argued that players could get injured from this. And and look, here's the other thing. Maybe we are seeing players get injured because all the extra plays that they're on the field, 
So it, you need to have more depth and you need to mix things up. And, and yet they got to just figure something out related to this rule and, and trying to disincentivize it. Or you're just going to see this all the time. And fans aren't going to boo that much because your team's going to be doing it as much as an opposing team. Right? So what are you going to do? It's kind of like the targeting rule, right? Everyone hates it. And like 99% of the time, you don't think that should have been a penalty. You don't think that player should be ejected. But given the fact that it is a rule, right, you boo every time it's called on your team. And every time there's a hard hit against your player targeting or not, you're like, oh, that's targeting. Give us 15 yards and throw that player out of the game, right? That's the hypocritical stuff I don't like. Look, when I'm at football games, when targeting is called, I'd like to see them pick up the flag and, and not call it every time. Sometimes, yeah, you're like, oh, my team could use this 15 yards here, but I try to be consistent and, and I just hate the penalty. And same thing, right? Like you're booing all these injuries, right? These fake injuries, but then you know your team's going to end up doing that soon, sooner or later. If your team hasn't been doing that yet, it's going to start happening soon. So maybe they get a rule change in there, like I said, where the player has to leave for a whole series and that, and that kind of changes things a little bit. Or maybe they don't. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. But anyway, it's an interesting issue. None of that excuses what Tennessee fans did, obviously. It was ridiculous. Um, but what an entertaining thing, though, to happen, right? I mean, you can't deny Lane Kiffin back at Tennessee, SEC football, fans going crazy, throwing stuff on the field, huge delay. Like, that was pretty wild. That was pretty wild. You know, because in the SEC, it just means more, right? <laughs> as the saying goes. Speaking of Tennessee, they play Alabama this week. There's not a lot of super sexy matchups this week in college football, but these are the weeks that weird stuff tends to happen. Um, some notable matches, right? Oklahoma State at Iowa versus Iowa State. I think that's interesting. Oklahoma State's undefeated. They're number eight. Everyone's wondering, wow, is the Big 12 going to come down to Oklahoma, Oklahoma State? Iowa State's out there, right? And a lot of people, oh, their season's been disappointing. We thought they were the second best team in the Big 12. As I said on Monday, they, they're a team that might still come up and ruin somebody's year, right? Yeah, maybe they're not playoff bound. Maybe they're not going to win the Big 12. But, well, hypothetically, Iowa State could win the Big 12 because one of their two losses is out of conference. So a lot of things are still alive. I talked about how close these conference races are, right? Oregon-UCLA is really interesting because UCLA is good. They can still win that game. Oregon cannot lose again, though, if they want to go to the playoff. UCLA, if they want to have a chance at the South, they really can't lose that game because they've already lost now a couple conference games. So it's a big deal. It's a really big deal, that game. You're going to see both teams pulling out all the stops because they it's a must win for both in different scenarios Ole Miss LSU is interesting I mean LSU the way they played against Florida they're they're playing with energy they have more than enough talent to beat Ole Miss right on paper they have a lot more talent than Ole Miss one of the reasons why their season's been so disappointing because they have good players Clemson versus Pitt we all remember 2016 Pitt got that big upset over Clemson and Pitt was a pretty decent team that year. Pitt's pretty good this year. Can he pick it? I the guy's an awesome quarterback. And he's got two really good receivers. Obviously, the best one being Addison. Probably the best receiver in the ACC. I think top 5 to 10 at least receiver in the country. And I think Pitt's a better team than Clemson. I actually think they're going to beat Clemson. Um, but I'll, I'm interested in that game to see. Can Clemson do anything? Boston College Louisville is interesting. That's a big 
race in the Atlantic. Boston College wanting to bounce back after the NC State game. NC State versus Miami. Is Miami even going to be playing? And then Notre Dame-USC, an iconic rivalry. Not so much this year, but think about all the great games we've had in that series. Um, if you follow the Instagram page, College Football Classics, follow my curator page. We're always throwing up classic games. We've been throwing up some old USC-Notre Dame games, right? 1988, number one, verse two. Of course, 2005, the Bush push. And we've been throwing up some Alabama-Tennessee games this week, right, from the 90s. Because that game used to be big time, Tennessee and Alabama. Obviously, as of late, Alabama's dominated that. Don't know if we'll ever, ever see it get back to the way it was in the 90s with Philip Fulmer and some of those games with Peyton Manning and T. Martin and those good Alabama teams and really good Tennessee teams. But anyway, yeah, this week, I would be on the lookout for some weird stuff going on, some upsets. Another game I'm interested in, right, is Wisconsin-Purdue. Purdue just got the big upset over Iowa. They're ranked now. But Wisconsin is out there. You know they have enough talent to beat Purdue. So that'll be an interesting game. Purdue, I think, technically controls its destiny. Maybe they don't. They're two losses. They might both be in conference. I don't have the, the, the thing pulled up in front of me. But if I remember correctly, they, they might both be in conference. So Iowa probably still controls their own destiny. They went out. But, hey, this division there's still a lot up for grabs if you're purdue this wisconsin game is just as big as iowa and we'll see how purdue does in this game but wisconsin right they're still trying to show hey we're legit wisconsin could beat purdue they could beat iowa they've got their three losses already but all respectable losses to good teams so and of course next week is when the big 10 east starts to get really interesting we get those two big matchups so yeah i mean big picture stuff i talk about most of that stuff on monday what's going on with the playoff picture, conference race pictures. Listen to Monday's episode if you want to hear more about that. But anyway, I, honestly, I think that's all I have for today. wanted to talk a little more about the Tennessee game, mostly to talk about, like I said, the injury faking thing because that's a thing we're seeing in college football and big picture. I don't know what that's going to do with the sport or if it's going to change. And then obviously um, the vaccine mandate with the Washington State head coach and what happened there, which I just thought was interesting. wanted to talk about it. So that's all I got for today. Thanks for listening, guys. Hopefully we get another awesome weekend of college football. Of course, I'll be in my living room with all the TVs going. I'll be watching. Anyway, uh, email the show, guys. Let's talk college football at gmail.com. Subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Leave us reviews. We would really appreciate it. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Right now, obviously, it's just audio, but we're uploading stuff on there. And that's where the videos will be going as soon as we can convert to video. And like I said, follow the Instagram, college football classics, all one word. Thanks, guys.